1: We're talking real money. Hello
0: again, and welcome to another exciting edition of Talking Real Money. This is our weekend show that we convert into a podcast. And most of the time, it comes off pretty much without a hitch, particularly when you consider the difficulty of mixing together a uh, host in Florida, that's me, with a host at his home in the Seattle area, which is Tom, and a radio station, which is Northwest News Radio. That takes re- some really sophisticated technology actually to pull off and pull off well. And sometimes that really sophisticated technology doesn't behave the way you want it to. And it didn't this week. So I've just condensed the episode down a little bit. We brought, we weren't, I wasn't able to get Tom connected to my device here that I use to connect back to the station. And so we actually connected him via Apple's FaceTime running into from my computer into the uh, interface and it worked. Okay. It was pretty good, but we had the beginning of the show was just not worth airing. So what we we're starting from a few minutes in and thank you so much for listening to the podcast today, what we really want to talk about is a topic that comes up a lot. As a matter of fact, it came up in yesterday's podcast a couple of times. And this is something that really does impact everyone who invests and tries to do it with professional guidance. You want a professional to help you, but how do you find a professional who is, how did they phrase it in, um, in this magazine called Financial Planning? It's an insider magazine for people in the industry. Uh, how do you find an advisor who is, quote, the gold level of client care, the fiduciary, the true 100% we're always a fiduciary? How do you find them? And that's a real I, I problem. Think-
2: That is a real problem. It's a continuing problem. I mean, the bigger problem, frankly, is the growth of these sort of hybrid uh, advisors, right? I hate using that expression. I hate using saying advisor because they're not advisors. They're salespeople. Right. Um, And so what you get here is uh, it's it's shocking the numbers. uh, 2021 out of 690,000 total advisors, 308,000 of those are dual registrants. These are people where you walk in the door and they're going to tell you that they're fiduciary. Guaranteed. Absolutely. That's what they do. That's the buzzword. Wow, oh, we're a fiduciary. Yeah, that's big. Um, what they're not going to tell you is they're also not a fiduciary and they can sell you into products. The article talks about a specific instance where somebody was stolen from. I mean, that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about just plain bad advice, expensive advice, commission-driven advice, where... Sometimes what they'll do, we've talked about this before, they will put you in a portfolio, oftentimes of low cost index or index like funds. Everything seems that. D- Ducky, And then they move some of the money over to an annuity, some other product, and they'll say, well, I wasn't acting as a fiduciary at that time. Now I'm acting as your – they say this now, best interest, right?
0: Yeah, see, well, what they've done is the Securities and Exchange Commission, instead of clearing – Instead of clearing things up, instead of clarifying the situation, has actually really muddied the waters in the uh, process of trying to determine who's on your side, all the time and who's not by by instituting regulation BI Reg BI, which is best interests, and now they're saying that that <laughs> and this is all really you know it's like what does so mean? Uh, best interests in their in this case doesn't mean fiduciary. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, you would have thought, well, because we use the two terms synonymously, best interest fiduciary. They're interchangeable. But no, no, no. you're
2: the one, yeah, you don't know. And you were the one who a few years ago said 100% Mm fee-only fiduciary, period. If somebody tells you they're fiduciary, they need to be that, not wearing one hat and then another hat. And the, the charge, the difference in costs, uh, almost half a percent more, by the way, for people that work with hybrids again, it's shocking to me, or smaller accounts, it's 1% a year more for those smaller accounts than it would be for people uh, that use a fee-only fiduciary. And there's a lot of a lot of these firms are paying fines. A lot of these firms are saying, yeah, yeah, that was a bad thing, but you know, we're going to go on doing it the way we do <laughs> and, and I like this suggestion from Michael Kitsis, who says, he wants the SEC to ban the use of the term financial planner and wealth manager. Mm-hmm. because that he thinks the, the polls indicate that people hear that, and they think, oh, then you're a fiduciary. You're a financial advisor. You're a fiduciary. You're not. That has nothing to do with it.
0: Well, and I got a call yesterday that I couldn't use on the air because it was a phone call, and it was cutting out, and there were just... All kinds of clicks and noises and things I could not possibly, I tried to clean it up and I couldn't, um, from a guy who said, well, I'm lucky, after listening to you guys, I know I have a good fiduciary, that I got one of the 10% who are fiduciaries, and he said, yeah, I'm with Edward Jones. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, unless they changed okay. their registration recently, they're uh, not. So yeah, see.
0: So here's the deal. Here's what you need to look for. Oh, maybe it's just a guy named Ed Jones, not the firm it named Ed Jones. Yeah, uh, okay. actually, he said EJ, but I think ah, you know it was EJ. a secret call EJ. EJ. Okay. Uh, but here's the thing. I I didn't I couldn't tell him because the call didn't work. But let me tell you that if they're duly registered. You have to beware of them. That is the whole point. And how can you determine that? Go to their web page. One of the easiest ways, if they're honest, is go to their web page, scroll down to the bottom of the page. In most cases, it will say uh, registered investment advisor, registered with the SEC, blah, 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 blah. And it also may say securities trading Sold by? Uh, provided by blankety, blankety, no. blankety, blank, or a registered representative of. That means they're duly registered. If they sell securities, a a, a financial, a true in registered investment advisor, 100% fiduciary, will never sell you products and accept a commission. Period. Period. It violates our fiduciary duty. We won't And
2: here we thought things were getting better because the Department of Labor said, uh, if you want to give advice on retirement assets, you have to be a fiduciary. They watered that down. We thought things were getting better because people started to understand this term fiduciary. Well, now everybody uses fiduciary. And on top of that, the growth of these number of firms that are both. It's outrageous because people, how are you to know uh, if your firm truly is a 100%... Fee-only advisor, period, end of story,
0: exclamation point. This, yeah, this is a, a point that really, really bothers both of us, and it should bother you. Eight five five nine three five. 935 talk is our phone number, 855 935
1: Tom and Don are talking real money. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money.
0: Hi there, welcome back. 855-935-TALK is our telephone number here on Talking Real Money. I'm Don, that's Tom. You are, uh, I know confused about money i know you are about something financial and that's why we're here to help out and it's free it's really easy just call 855-935-TALK on saturdays or 24 hours a day if you want us to answer it later on a podcast now we are uh heading to really tampa florida just down the road from me yeah, yeah. hi like ryan it. welcome to talking real money hi there how are you doing good how are you ryan I'm doing
3: all right. I listen to you guys at Spotify on 1.2 times speed, so it's weird hearing you talk at a normal rate right
0: now. Well, we need to talk like this? Well, this will this be better for you?
3: <laughs> a little bit better, actually.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, we'll do that.
0: Tom, can you speak yeah, faster? Yeah, so I had a question. <laughs>
2: My voice is high enough.
0: Okay. Go ahead, Ryan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I had a question with regards to, I know that you guys have resources on your website with regards to, you know, two to fund portfolio, four fund for, for portfolio. So I know roughly what what to invest in, I want to get a little insight into your recommendations on where to invest in terms of asset location between... Roth IRA, 401K, HSA individual, etc. cetera. Um, just a bit of background, currently have an employer that has a 7% match on the 401K. Also have a Roth IRA. I'm, I'm treating an HSA as a retirement account thing for expenses outside of that and just having that invest. And I also got a individual account for my large cap stocks that's enrolled in the, the Fidelity managed portfolios, which I don't know if you guys have ever talked about that. I don't know what your opinions are on that.
0: OK, so what you want to know is um, you want to know where the, the which in which of the accounts the various asset classes should be held. Uh, and Tom, what's your rule of thumb? My, you know, if This is actually pretty easy. Uh, and by the way, thank you for raising this
2: as an issue because I truly believe all investors should have a pre-tax account, a post-tax account like Roth, and then a brokerage type account. Let me explain why. Because in a recent podcast, we talked about taxation on money coming out of those things. There's some real advantages and disadvantages. Well, there's mainly disadvantages when you come to the pre-tax. because You haven't paid any tax on that, right? Traditional. And then when it comes out, you got to pay tax on it. Roth, you it comes out, you pay nothing. And then the brokerage type, this is something we spent more time on. If you do it right, you can pay very little tax on the money you need to take out of that. So there's reasons to have money in all those places. But in a general sense, due to that taxation, I would suggest in the Roth IRA, you have the most aggressive asset classes, small cap value, international small cap value, those type of assets. In the uh, pre-tax or traditional, that's where you'd have uh, your bonds right? Because those are, uh, in some cases, uh, sending out interest. You don't have to pay those. It just gets uh, put back into your account. And the growth rate would be expected to be smaller there. So that part of the pre-tax grows smaller. And then in the brokerage, it could be a mix of the two. But again, stocks probably make more sense there. And uh, so in a general sense, those are the kind of asset locations I would suggest.
0: Yeah. and, And the rules are a little less clear than they used to be in the days of mutual funds. Because now with the advent of ETFs, which have some tax advantages to them, growth-oriented ETFs, it sometimes makes sense. And and it works out well because oftentimes employer plans don't offer the small cap values or the emerging growth funds. So sometimes you want to put some of those more aggressive ones through ETFs in your taxable account. Does that make sense?
3: It does, and as someone that has a little bit more variable income in terms of prior to getting those investments like, do you have a hierarchy in terms of – Start your savings towards one account once you max it out and then go on to the second bucket. then Oh, second bucket. You have a higher absolutely. Absolutely. When that?
0: you when you start withdrawing, you generally want to start withdrawing from the taxable account first, the one on which you're already paying taxes. So you might as well use it and keep the other ones either deferred or tax free for as long as possible.
3: Uh, So the Roth. I got a wild tilt
0: with (laughs) Roth. Yeah. The Roth would be the last one you take out. In terms of contributions, you contribute to the tax, the most taxed advantage first. So it's the other way around. Okay. It's exactly opposite. You want as much time with tax free growth or tax deferred growth as you can possibly get. So you start the tax advantage early. And you take them out late. So um, thanks for the call. We really appreciate it. 855-935-TALK. That is our phone number. Lines are open. We want to talk with you.
1: Tom and Don are talking real money. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money.
0: Hi there. Welcome back to our get together call to radio show where we talk about your life and your dough. I'm Don. Tom is over there connected to me. And uh, we have, uh, we, we just lost a caller. So you've got room to get in right now at 855 935 8255. 855 935 T A L K. I also wanted to share a, another couple of little tidbits, a little, little hints, Tom. That you can use to, and we provide these to you, you can use to find a fiduciary advisor. We never said it was easy. It's hard. Because people lie. And one of the ways we tried to help you do this is by sitting down and creating a form. That we really suggest you print out and take to your advisor, whoever that might be, and ask them to fill it out. It asks a lot of very telling questions, including, are you always required to act as an advisor, as a fiduciary? You know,
2: I think the issue when you get to that point is when you give that to people, they're not going to sign it. Uh, we've run across this where, where they bring it back and say, well, the guy just said, can't do it because of corporate or I got a conflict, whatever it is. They, they always have an excuse, right? Um, and that's a probably a good time for you to consider whether or not that's a person you really
0: want to have a relationship well, with. there you go. That's the <laughs> thing is that it really brings out the truth in a, in a roundabout way because a true fiduciary it's not going to have any problem filling that thing out.
2: No, they wouldn't have any trouble at all. In fact, a few people have brought it to me, and I've filled it out uh, happily. Uh, but let's go back still again. The, the, the reality is if you just decide to hire somebody without doing research, the odds are you're going to end up with a broker because there's far more brokers than there are registered investment advisors. Number two, if you take that route and think I'm going to be smart, I'm going to go to somebody who calls themselves a fiduciary, and they do that sometimes, and sometimes they're a broker, a salesperson, uh, the odds are, again, you're going to end up with a hybrid rather than a fee-only RIA because there's just far fewer of them. Frankly, it's less lucrative to be a fee-only registered investment advisor, 100% fiduciary. Just don't make as much money. Uh, we, we we know people that make a lot of money in this industry because they sell products where they get a lot of the, the a huge commissions from that. So that's the problem. Now, for a while, we've had lists, right? We used to have a list of people in the Seattle area. Um, I think we, we used to have, Then we have kind of a national list too? Or we no, we people? never had a national. Well, okay.
0: okay. No, the national list we have is for of the biggest firms, the, the biggest big, ones. big, big firms like Fisher's in there, and uh, 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 Financial Engines, the Element Financial Engines, and Merrill Lynch, and and uh, Chase, and we
2: did those for co- reasons of comparison. Those were not right. recommendations.
0: That is a comparison yeah. list that shows mm-hmm. you which ones are always required to act in your best interest. And I went through all of those firms form ADVs. To find their fees, which, by the way, (laughs) for a true fiduciary, the fees are always easy to find. They're easy to find. For these obfuscating dual registered firms, finding the fees. I did it for Ameriprise recently for their financial advice business for which they charge a. 2% fee, but it took me through, they had a section for fees and expenses that ran almost 40 pages just for fees and expenses. And it wasn't until the very last page that they told you.
2: And they make some good points in this. The the reason we brought this up is because this is an issue that comes up all the time. But also in one of our industry publications, they talk about this as the hot issue because so many more people in this industry are becoming duly registered as uh, financial advisors, RIAs, and uh, broker-dealers. But in the article, I think there's another point because if you are starting right today and you're saying, I'm going to hire somebody. Now, would you want to go into a relationship where there's this confusion of duality? I don't think so. I think most people say, no, I just want to know exactly how I'm going to get treated. That's one. Number two is the costs. I mentioned this briefly, but in the article, they mentioned the American Growth Fund Series One Class A Mutual Fund, an actively managed large cap growth fund, has a net expense ratio of 4.36%. Now, I'm assuming that includes the load on it because, man, that is a wild I mean, because you can go buy exchange-traded funds for 0.15%.
0: Yeah, that would have to, have to include the commission in some sort of a calculation over a period of years. Eight five five nine three five
1: 935 tom Tom and Don are talking real money. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money.
0: Yes, indeed we are. And our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855 935 We take your calls uh, during the show and speak with you live, actually have a conversation with you. But at other times, people call in the same number, 855-935-TALK, and just leave their question at their convenience, much like this one, which we've never heard before. See, we've never heard that one before. <laughs> Will we hear it again? Yes. How about this one? Is it real?
2: Hello, this is Ken. I I am ready to move some funds into um, index, EFT indexes. I have accounts open with Fidelity and with Vanguard. I just need an idea of which you think the best uh, indexes would be? Uh, I am seventy-five years old. Uh, it's I'm moving IRAs and brokerage accounts. I just need to know which ones do you think would be the best? A uh, whole market index,
0: or domestic, or international? Thank you. All right. That one, let me turn it back down because I had to turn it up because he was really, really, really quiet. Uh, Tom, question is, better to put your money in ETFs at Fidelity or Vanguard? Go ahead.
2: (laughs) uh, mm, I can't imagine any difference. Not a bit. I I was going to say, I don't, I mean... Do you have one custodian you like more than another? You're more of a sh- boating type of person. Maybe you go to Vanguard. I don't know. So it wasn't the Vang- USS Wait, okay. Vanguard USS HMS Vanguard. Okay. But a- yeah.
0: yeah. No? Okay. So okay. it's a, it's all, it depends on whose logo
2: you like better. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm
0: trying to come up with a reason to differentiate the well, two. Well, yeah, that's the thing uh, is ETFs you can, you can buy through anyone, you, yeah. it's just so easy to buy them and there uh, most of these companies are no commission on ETFs both of these are yeah yeah um it really yeah i guess it would come down to relationship is it's, there somebody you don't there?
2: like so now it's a relation i like the logo thing better you're on the relationship i, I think i'd just that got the rel- much weight there
0: no no, because so. if you have somebody you well. talk to regularly like oh, um, my okay. my like my wife's nephew who was just here works uh, at Fidelity. And, you know, if you talk to him yeah. regularly and you like him, then you stay with Fidelity. If you got a guy or gal you love over at Vanguard, or, you know, you stay with them.
2: Wait, I uh, mean, there's a person you could talk to at a major custodian? Ah, come it's on. That's what
0: he told me. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know, but he said he that was at That be a fidelity. test
2: for a podcast. We should sit down in the office and call each major custodian yeah. and just see who answers the phone and what kind Actually, of quest- questions they could answer. That no would periods. be kind of fun. Yeah, it would be kind of fun. So, hi. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, there'd be no difference. In fact... Yeah, I guess because sometimes we recommend Schwab, like, but you could do the same, basically the same thing in any ETF at any of those custodians with no additional cost. No reason to necessarily right. go to the doesn't, supermarket that I view Charles Schwab as. Yeah,
0: doesn't really matter because you're going to get index ETFs, which is smart. And thank you for calling in to 855 Talk and leaving your question like, uh, well, here's another one.
3: Well, yes, I'm hoping you can address the issue currently of investing in banks in terms of buying their shares. For example, I know you don't deal in specifics, but this is just for an example. Say, So Columbia Bank gets, it was trading around 30, $29 a share, P.E. of 10. And now I think recently now it's down to $20, and who knows what the P.E. is. I'm curious to know if you can address this. Is this just because the stupid banks were buying like zero percent bonds or one percent bonds long term from the government, or what is the deal with this? I mean, is it even is it stupid to be uh, buying any shares in any bank at this point until the Fed starts cutting rates again? If you get address this, I'd appreciate it.
0: Thank. All right, Tom. Bank question.
2: I like banks. I keep my money there. I yes. Next question. Uh,
0: no, this goes mm, okay. back to our belief that buying individual stocks or even sectors is a game you're not likely to win long term and consistently. Things look like they're a bargain often. Oh, but, so
2: this is someone who wants to buy bank stocks today because yeah, they're beaten down. Because they're the beaten recent down. Day.
0: Yeah,
2: so you're the only person who knows that that they're beaten down or they've had a rough month or two. Oh, here. there That's you surreal. go. Look, ah, it looks okay. like
0: you hit that nail right there, smack dab on the head, without hitting your my, thumb again. My my guess is, my guess is that
2: afternoon that forty two billion dollars was being wired out yeah. of Silicon Valley Bank. There were a lot of shorts that were already on that stock and many others that were, sign me up, man. So said, no, I, that's just, that's a, and there's a, another two articles today talking about the the failure of people that actively manage portfolios, buying and selling stocks that do uh, that end up with less money than just being in an index fund. So, no, I mean, and what do I think of banks in the long term? Well, you know, I, I also keep some of my money there. <laughs>
0: I think well, probably, but, but we're not going out, we're not going out. And in fact, we, this is something we never do. Bear in mind, we know as much, as much, maybe even a little more than you do about the situation of the banks. Because we read a lot about individual banks and, and the industry and where it's going and what's happened to it and why it's happened to it. You need to always understand, and this is tough. It's tough when you're younger because you think you your aha moment is the only aha moment anyone's ever had. As Tom said... <laughs> It's baked into the cake. It's yeah, stirred it's right. into the pudding already. It's just it's in the gooey three finger mess that is the pudding.
2: Don't make me go there <laughs> don't again. Make me go there. The, the,
0: the proof can we just say the proof is, is in,
2: yeah in isn't the it pudding
0: yeah yeah. So I mean, what could happen? Could banks go down further? Yes, they could. Yeah, you know, we course. just don't know. Eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number. Somebody's calling from South Orlando. You mean like? I right want to borrow a cup, a borrow a like cup of sugar pra- or something o- outside <laughs> my door? Really? Really? It Seriously?
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi, Corey. Hi. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I am. I'm, well, I live near Gatorland, so not. Quite oh, well, so you're you're indoor. in
0: you're in Kissimmee. Nope, you in, I'm oh, underwater. you're in Hunters Creek.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I'm, yeah, in celebra- yeah.
0: I'm in celebration, so we're close by.
4: I know. I have two sisters that live there. Yeah.
0: Oh, we almost like family. Well, what can we do well, for you today, have, Corey?
4: Well, I have um, two questions but I don't know which one is more important. I have a royal alliance from uh, account from my broker from years ago, and when I looked at it the other day, I noticed that half of it was in um uh, yeah it was in half of it was in a Mutual, uh, not a mutual fund, it was in a money market for okay. like 0.33%. Uh-huh. And that was like $10,000 in that. And then the other half was in um, Touchstone Value Class A. And then large cap value class a and then large cap class a is now can i get out of that without going through my former broker
0: yes you can what you can do is have it just transfer the account in kind to a new broker like Schwab or fidelity or whomever and then they will go bring the securities over and sell them as you need them sold thanks for the call
1: tom and don are talking your real life and real future. Tom and Don are talking real money. And if you need
0: a little more help than we can provide in a couple of minutes on the radio or on a podcast, well, we'll help you. We do. That's what we do. Our advisors are there to help you for nothing for free for at least a little bit. Not forever. Get a to pay for that. But if you want to need some help right now, you're not going to get a high-pressure sales pitch. It's really easy. Just go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click Meet an advisor